It's good for you to be back, but we've just been here the whole time. I've literally been well, waiting it... just since Bro was on last time. <laughs> I sat here and, you know, I've been eating whatever is available on the desk near me. And then I did the podcast with Calvin in between. But otherwise, I've just been waiting around for you guys. I mean, I know I promised during this Scorsese one after I heard it. I was like, man, these people are not going to like this mic quality. So this time I did nothing. And they're going to get the same exact quality. But this time it's for Jack Frost. So I think things will play better. Yeah. I'm I'm genuinely anticipating that nobody is going to care about this podcast. I'm pretty sure you guys are just indulging me on this one. So we'll see how that goes. David, you picked, you picked a really bad one. Let me tell you. Uh, look, I don't want to hear about who's picking bad ones here, bro. We know what kind of movies you like to tell people to watch. I only see good movies. I, everyone knows this. You can go on the site, look at my record, go on my letterboxd, <laughs> I think it's Brogan, and check out my quality takes. I don't even think I have most of my movies on there. Point is, David, you're the one in the spotlight here, man. You chose Michael Keaton, Jack Frost. Look, I thought you liked Michael Keaton. You're a huge Batman fan, right? You did that great article on it, for God's sake. I, I know nothing of what you're talking about. Speaking of which, do you want to do top five Christmas movies? Yeah, we better. I, yeah. I don't know much about good radio, but I know uh, telling people not to listen is the best way to start a show. It's always been my policy. <laughs> <laughs> and then silence is the next best way. And the next best thing is dead air. All right, right, so we have Christmas picks. <laughs> it's Christmas time. The... I'm... Go ahead. Are you guys ready for Christmas? I'm, I'm actually, I don't know about you guys, but I'm all dressed up for it right now. I'm sure as you can tell. I even got my jingly hat on. You look so oh, stupid right now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I don't, I don't see you right now, but I can see it. I could hear it, yeah. The the jingle echoes you into like a weird daredevil image. <laughs> the other good thing I know about radio is it's good to wear jingling hats while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep my head perfectly <laughs> still, and it's not going to be any problem. There won't be any errant jingling this time, I promise. The Twin Geeks is a professional establishment, and uh, we only, which is the good Christmas pictures. Uh, I think we should start with Bro, don't you guys set the scene here? Uh, Alright, so preface here, I did not actually choose my top five favorite. I chose five <laughs> Christmas movies I wanted to talk about. Perfect. Um, the At least you number five. five. Number five is going to be Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, as opposed to Home Alone 1. Um, mainly because I, I like, you're going to see this again in the list, I like sequels that are the exact same thing as the one before it, and it's a little unashamed, and it's, I think, I think the Christmas vibe is better in this because I don't like suburban Christmas, I talk, like, we see, like, Gremlins <laughs> era Christmas all the time, it's so constant, but, like, seeing Christmas in Manhattan is, like, really cool to me. Yeah, I'm into it, and uh, we understand that about sequels because you've written 50 pieces about James Bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. I do actually, <laughs> I do agree with you that Home Alone 2 is more fitting as a Christmas movie as well because it also has the best Scrooge of any movie as well. 
Oh man, and like even the even the beats that are the same, where it's like, oh, there's this weird person that Kevin shouldn't trust, but secretly he does because he's a good person, and the crazy person isn't bad. Like the bird lady, I like the bird lady way more in two. She's great. And I saw that uh, the Wikipedia was edited this week, and it said a uh, um, first cast member of Home Alone to impeach was uh, Donald Trump. So I feel like it's suggesting there will be another one that will be impeached. But Joe Pesci, I think Joe Pesci's a shoe in for uh, President <laughs> Number Forty Nine. I am in with it. It is what it is. You, you know, guys, I won't lie. Uh, I I only know Home Alone Two for this Donald Trump meme, oh. and and that's it. So. In fact, the entire Home Alone franchise. I'm not. I haven't actually seen the first film. What the fuck? And then yeah. you show us Jack Frost. Watch <laughs> yes. your fucking. Watch your fucking go see a real Christmas movie. Too. What do you have at number four here? Oh, are we just doing? Oh, we're not going back and forth. We're just gonna go through models. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's run through yours. All right. I didn't um, make a list, so. All right. So you caught me on the Michael Keaton. Batman train because it's Batman Returns. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a Christmas uh, yeah, classic. The, the same thing where I like Christmas in a city, but also Tim Burton's like set design for Gotham is really beautiful, and it's just marvelous to look at, especially like the snowscapes and all of that. It's fucking great to see a Batmobile just tear through there with rocket-powered penguins. It's awesome. Yeah, rocket-powered penguins is. The, the best aesthetic for Christmas, oh, I agree. Alright, so, and anything else? Or should we just move on? We'll just keep rolling. No, I, I, let's all just right. hear all yours, and then we'll go around the circle. I Number guess. three, Die Hard 2. Okay. The, the See, classic. I, I support you. What? I support you on this. Secretly, because... I don't like Die Hard 3 at all. People go Die Hard 1, Die Hard 3, and then, and then like, Die Hard 2 is, like, the runt of the litter until we get to 4 and 5. But, yeah, and then everyone disowns the franchise. But no, I'm I'm totally on board for here. I am indifferent to Die Hard Three, and I actually like Die Hard Two. Not that it's Die Hard, you know, necessarily. It's not so, as great as that. I've only seen Die Hard One, so it, does the Christmas aesthetic stick with it? Is that kind of like yes, the yeah, sub, and in fact, I would argue more. That's fantastic. What's, yeah. what's more Christmas than being stuck at an airport? Oh, nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's. Totally, and it's a very snow-trapped airport as well, so you've got that aesthetic. It's like they upped the Christmas ante of it. Uh, that's kind of the big argument against Die Hard for a Christmas movie, even though we decided this last year that it most definitely, unequivocally, is a Christmas movie. But, yeah, Die Hard 2 definitely has a little bit more Christmas going on in it. Yeah, yeah and then, die, uh... die Hard is what it is. Um... <laughs> what what number am I on? I, I've, I've lost count. Number Two, I believe. Three, two, two more. Do you have a list? Are you, are you making up a list as you go? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Trading places. Number two. Look, man, all not not a single one of these movies is worse than Jack Frost. All right, give me a break here. No, no, Trading Places is great. I love Trading Places. That's a seminal classic. Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, wonderful cast, great, great classic movie, and it's got a sloppy, like, gross Santa in Dan Aykroyd, and that's, that's, you need one in every list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, where, where on the Billy Bob Thornton scale does Dan Aykroyd play up here as far as for gross Santas? 
wait. Sorry. No. I'm sorry. I had to look up my number five. My number one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I gotta do this real quick. So they don't catch me. I, I, I took number one seriously. So that yeah, you did. Looks super bad. <laughs> uh, number one. <laughs> were we done? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, sure, we're, sure, we're, we're ready done. for this. Whatever, let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Number one was Charlie Brown Christmas. It's it's a classic. It's actually a good mo- uh, good special. I what the fuck is this? <laughs> what sure, the fuck kind of list is this? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Charlie Brown Christmas would have made all of our lists had any of us made a list. Did any of us actually make a list? Are we, I, are we all planning this on the fly? I have a list. <laughs> Oh, okay, Calvin. Please give us an actual list. I would love to okay. hear. Okay. <laughs> at, <laughs> at number five, I have a. Uh, you know, Christmas is about warmth and uh, being close to family. I have Rare Exports, uh, a Finnish horror film. Oh man, you oh, went. You went. Yeah, you I went the opposite one. direction. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> um. Yeah, I love this movie. It has such a unique take on Christmas. It's really not any others. I think we have a lot of Christmas horror movies that are, you know, like Santa Slays or, you know, like the joke is just the title. But this has like a really developed evil in it that's like deep in the mountains and it comes and haunts the kids and they're all, you know, really terrified of it. I think it's a really caustic uh, tale for children not to fuck up. So that's a pretty good movie. And it's Finnish, which is like a has its own coldness to it. Just like a signature lack of feeling that I think is really special for a Christmas film. So, so you're telling me like a caustic tale for children to not fuck up is already not cold? And then yeah. the finished thing makes it cold? Okay. I know, it's just the whole thing has like this, you know, it has an aesthetic, it has a feeling, it has fantasy behind it. Um, the creature design's really good and it's just a weird Christmas film. Oh man, what's, what's <laughs> okay. four then? If that was uh, five, what's four? Right, at four, uh, I think more anticipated, I have Gremlins. Yeah, now Gremlins makes perfect sense. Uh, I already watched that one this year as well, and I think I think we generally agree here that uh, it's it's much more exciting once we get the crazy Gremlins stuff, and that's why two is generally regarded as the better one, but there's a lot of fun Christmassy stuff going on in the first one. Of course, you got all like the caroling and stuff. Like, the caroling Gremlins is adorable. And it just... How can you not love that? I mean, it just starts with the premise. It's like Die Hard. The premise is a gift and, you know, the actual story is like a horror story about what happens when they're unleashed on the city, but the whole setting and everything about it is informed by Christmas and I really well, enjoy that. It opens on a Christmas song. Yeah. It opens on a, a very popular Christmas song. So, yeah, of course. And it's a great Christmas. We're going after Gremlin cast, of course, so we don't even have to spend Eventually. forever on it. But uh, Gremlins and Gremlins 2 will absolutely happen, and they have to happen with Bro, too. So. No, dude, I, we need to get editor Kevin on. Yeah. I want a Kevin Gremlins cast. Give him one of them. We'll just get... Kevin just discovered Gremlins this year and absolutely <laughs> fell in love. So It's been one of the most heartwarming discoveries of the year is Kevin's love for Gremlins. But also our friend Double D's uh, complete anti-Gremlin um, rants have been a pretty fascinating. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you don't like Gremlins, you don't like fun. Like, I agree. Like, it's, it's just one of those things, like, do you not want to laugh? And if so, Wait. why is it the movie's fault? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, at number three, God, what did I do this for? <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have Black Christmas, which is obviously uh, should be on any list. 
See, I like the train wreck of this podcast already. The, yeah, it's good. It's going list. well. I have a nice and warm it's... list with Black Christmas on it. Uh, God, that movie terrified me. I only really discovered it last year, but it's grown in my mind, and I've gotten at least five, six people to watch it now, so it must be somewhat well, important and... to me. I saw the new one, which we could talk about. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize you went and saw it, but but we also have that wonderful piece from Graham about Black Christmas and the... Uh, the balance of the comfort and the horror within it. Uh, he did a really wonderful job painting it and uh, in that way. So yeah, uh, I'll talk about Black Christmas more in a bit, but um, then number two, another heavy movie. No, no, I have The Apartment. Um, we just discussed this no, recently. Oh, I'm, I'm glad The Apartment your list. I can't remember, even though we literally just discussed it. That was your first time watching it? No, no, I've seen The Apartment no, uh, way back when, and, and I was just really like Way charmed. back, yeah, yeah, you might as well not have. But yeah, uh, The Apartment's one of those ones where it's like, it's, like, I don't think about it as a Christmas movie as much, because it's like, it takes place at Christmas, and then you also have the finale at New Year's as well, so it's like, yeah. it's a bunch of stuff going on. It's not so much the focus, but uh, it's a valid pick still, and I, The Apartment's great. So I I'm think not... for me, it just has, like, the warm home feeling in it. You know, it has the ending, of course, and uh, just a good holiday pick for me. Um, it gives me the Christmas feeling, whether or not I get into the specifics. Like, if Die Hard's a Christmas movie, then The Apartment is, so I'm sorry. Uh... All right, all right, fine. I'll I'll concede to that. At number one, I have Jack Frost. Uh, not not this one. It's a 1934 animation uh, done by Uber uh, Iwerks, who was a uh, one of Disney's contemporaries. It's like an eight minute animation. So, let me tell you a small diatribe about these Jack Frost names. <laughs> I was like, let's see if Jack Frost is on Amazon Prime. And like the old blockbuster of the 90s, I got the switcheroo. I got the horror movie for a little bit. <laughs> you did. That's that's funny. Does that one hold up at all? Did you guys watch that one? Or? I, I skimmed through it. The snowman looks really bad. He doesn't even look... Like, if it was the guy on the cover, it would be better. But it it's really bad. As far as... It looks like Marshmallow but, Man got melted a little bit. That's kind of my memory but, of that. Um, this one's about a little grizzly bear, however, who's... Uh, whose mother warns him not to leave the house, but uh, he's a very tough little grizzly bear, so he defies his mother's wish. What are we doing here? <laughs> he defies his mother's <laughs> wishes, and he goes and confronts Old Man Winter, and he sings a little song. He says, uh, uh, what does he say? He says, Jesus Christ, I don't even know what Can his song is. He has a little song. in the desert and never <laughs> Oh, he says, uh, no, this is... he says, I don't have to worry. I don't have to care. My coat is very furry. I'm a grizzly, grizzly bear. So. <laughs> it's very important Calvin's to me. Calvin's just making up movies now. <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> uh, this guy would, of course, go on to uh, design, like, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And it's just like a really old Christmas movie I watched every year of my life. So that had to make my number one. Uh David, did oh, you good. make up any fictional movies too, or like, is no. what's your list like? All right, all right. So I know what you guys are expecting. Being the resident film snob and all, you're gonna expect me to talk about Bing Crosby and White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life, but I'm not gonna do that because that's that's not actually my favorite Christmas stuff because I didn't grow up on that shit. No, we. I'm talking. We've learned that talking, your holiday <laughs> taste really like your taste tremble it's, completely it's like, once we get to holiday picks. My inverse, uh, my, my holiday interests are completely inverse to my 
every other day of the year picks in that I'm totally an advocate for Jim Carrey's uh, Grinch movie. I like Will Ferrell in Elf, and I'm all about, especially the, the Rankin-Bass specials are particularly nostalgic. Was that three out here. of the five, or are you just saying them and you haven't started <laughs> your five? I told you, I said here, I didn't pick five. I came here to talk about just whatever came to mind about it. I didn't prepare at all, because I just expected half of your guys' stuff to kind of align, but you're picking weird <laughs> foreign ones and a grizzly bear Jack Frost movie Damn it, I take my work seriously. I wrote my top five down ten <laughs> minutes before you know what? I started recording this, all right? Like a professional. All right, all right. I am also a professional. I'm here a professional to talk about Jack Frost. You should see the page of notes I have for this film. This this is my holiday classic. This is why we're here. I brought us here to talk about fucking Jack Frost. Well, bro and I didn't watch it, so we're just going to make it up on the fly, uh, just like your list here. So. I assume there's a dance number in Jack Frost. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're moving on, right? All right. Yeah, all right. Let's, let's talk about... Uh, some of the new movies now that have come out we have star uh, wars which is a you know a real banger at the box office and of course everyone loves star wars um i get the do, feeling do after we, this movie still... <laughs> not everyone loves star wars but oh uh, i got it you wrong know, got... everyone hates star wars now it's in the fine print here here so so here's the thing is that not everyone like everyone loves star wars back in 2015 with the force awakens it was a renewal of that and then Last Jedi came out, and, like, half of people stopped liking Star Wars because they were big man babies. And now all people don't like Star Wars because of all of the compromises made and the shitty decisions going forward in this last movie. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, I went and saw this. I don't know if uh, Bro got to it in time. I did not. Um, I, I but, am uh, protesting I, this one. <laughs> but to, to plug my... Uh, my little feature article on it. And also Kevin, Kevin wrote a review on it that I read and that was scathing. But, uh, a couple months ago when the first trailer hit, I wrote a, uh, little thing about expecting it to be bad. It was a doctor franchise. And basically it was like, JJ doesn't know how to end anything. And star Wars doesn't have a lot of good threads right now. Cause last Jedi was more about more than the mystery box. And that's all force awakens was. So like it was de- it was almost doomed to fail. What what's really interesting after rereading your piece after this is that all they had left is the mystery box, which you know the last Jedi made pretty irrelevant. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a lot of thing with the last Jedi is that it wrapped up basically every loose end, which uh, kind of confused me for a middle entry. Uh, though though I do appreciate Ryan Johnson trying to tackle all of the kind of big question marks left uh, movie there. I guess, I guess to kind of lay the cards out. I'm not a huge fan of Last Jedi, but I'm I'm very perturbed by the kind of disrespect thrown David, to David, give me play. your top three Star Wars movies right now. Look, look, I'm not good at making lists as we've already shown here. I'm not doing this off the fly. So, all right, so uh, What is better than A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back in your opinion? Uh, I'm gonna say Phantom Menace. How about that? Uh, hey, man, you heard it here, folks. Everybody, David thinks Phantom Menace is the third best Star Wars movie. <laughs> well, then. Well, um, we learned a lot today about your movie tastes, film snob. <laughs> I guess my mine would be ESB, obviously Rogue One, and then Last Jedi. Let's see. 
Yeah, you know, hold on. I'm changing my mind. I'm saying it's the holiday special. I'm feeling Christmassy right now. Oh God. Um, so the new movie. Nog. Everybody, get get the nog away from him. <laughs> I, it was two glasses. Okay. The new movie completely tarnishes everything. Um, and it was talking about killing the dead, and then it comes up with the scrawl. The first three words are the dead speak. So you know how the you know how that feels about the last movie, and it kind of follows the whole time. It wastes any diverse character that the last movie had, which is really disturbing to me. Yeah, especially I'm assuming like uh, uh, Kelly Marie Tran's character kind of got the sideline, especially after all the backlash that she undeservedly got from The Last Jedi. Oh, she is completely sidelined. Like, she steps into a couple shots and it's really wasted. Um, she does even less here. Uh, it's really awful, I think. Um I think the whole movie's awful. I give it three out of ten on the letterbox. So. I think that's. I think uh, Kevin gave it a slightly higher score for the site, but like probably felt the same. It, it certainly read like a as scathing as that. He was not happy. <laughs> I think when I saw Kevin's, I knew I could put it off for a few days because uh, I knew this wasn't like you had to be there for it. Um, I mean, I'm glad I got in anyway because Bro said he was going to go see it, so that's the only reason I did. But. Uh, uh, well, no, well look, guys, here. here's the thing. This movie, Jack Frost, taught me the dangers of being flaky. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this movie's the one character thing in it, and I guess we'll talk about later, is don't be a flake. And That's I've true. learned my lesson, y'all. No, no snowflakes, which is kind of this movie's perspective. Uh, it's very anti, I guess, anti-progressive, if the last one was progressive. It's very absurd, and it's... Uh, I can't say more without spoiling it, can I? It's... No, I, we definitely don't want to spoil it, because I'm sure so many people haven't seen it yet. The, but, the three people uh, that listen to this have not seen the movie, and we really need to be respectful. <laughs> and two of them are you guys, so... I'm going to shut it off five uh, yeah. minutes after hearing my voice. So, I mean, it's fine. Right. Uh, so I would not recommend new Star Wars, and uh, I was extremely uh, surprised that uh, my I had a huge preference for the next movie, Cats. Oh man, how is Cats? Yeah, cat Cats is good. Yeah. But yeah, like, how good. good? It's real good. Um, it has great songs, all from the musical, and then it has a couple uh, ones that Taylor Swift designed with like Andrew Lloyd Webber, which is, it's one of his musicals, of course. Um, it's well adapted to the screen. Uh it doesn't have anything really in it if you're not already sold on this nightmarish vision of cats. So, uh, I don't know. I think the nightmare trailer is kind of oversold an aspect that doesn't really matter. It's not that terrifying. I. It seems to me like what you get out of the film is what you invest into it. Yeah. So, like... If you're if you're going in wanting it to be like a, a nightmarish shit show of totally uh, like disgusting cat creatures, that's probably how you're gonna see it. Right. Um, I just expected but, a good musical with good songs, and that's all I got. There's no story in the movie at all. Well, Let me it's ask a, you it's the a question. product of the show. It's like. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was I was gonna say like it looks like the the film is a pretty direct translation of the the Broadway show, and the Broadway show is also infamous you know in its own right for all of the same kind of reasons yeah but that's that's part of the 80s excess that cats kind of thrived on and was birthed out of yeah um i think those songs are really good i don't know what to really say about it i have the I review on the site ones. 
the new ones are okay. I was surprised that Taylor Swift wasn't really in the movie for more than like a minute. So I feel like it was so really sold. A scene in a song, pretty much. She only introduces Idris Elba's song, so she doesn't even have her own dedicated song. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So wow. <laughs> if I really that sounds like false advertising. I mean, if I she cared was, like, about Taylor huge Swift, in the marketing material too, right? I thought she was like yeah. the centerpiece of the marketing, and she wasn't really in the movie. So, uh, what you see of her coming down and putting the catnip on it, which is uh, kind of drugging the people so Idris Elba could win the cat competition. Okay, the one story is that they are fighting to see who will ascend into heaven because they've been a good cat and have another chance at a life. So, that's the only story in this. Um, I'm sure there's a lot yeah, to I... uh, unpack from that, like, implication wise. <laughs> Yeah. Which I'm not going to do because uh, my brain is fried after Jack Frost. Well, there's the Jennifer Hudson <laughs> character who's like the prize role if you're on like Broadway or in, in the musical, right? So uh, she gets to play the big role in this, and she's fantastic. She has the best song, Memories, uh, which is just from the play anyway. But uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's the, the big set piece song of it, the, right. the star stopping one, yeah. And it has implications that she was a prostitute, and but it's like a PG movie. It's it's all very confusing. Um, I, it's sexually confusing too. If you're Who would really you recommend cats, cats for? <laughs> I, well, I'd uh, I mean myself. I I like cats. Uh, our friend William went with with me. He liked cats. Uh, nobody else. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'd like to point out December. Yeah. It it is a little more brutal for the film, I think. I mean, have you seen the box office returns on it? I think that's uh, why I'm willing to be so positive cuz this cost 95 million. What did it end up making? It's like 6 in the opening weekend. Yeah, that's that's not even going to cover it's, like it's abysmal. one. It's not even going to cover cover like Taylor Swift's 1 minute in the movie, right? So Damn. I, I feel pretty I, bad about that because it's a lot of fun. Well, who who makes a uh, one hundred million dollar musical? Right, based on cats. Um, I, One of the things that I I fully believe that a hundred million dollar musical could work in today's climate, but you gotta do like Hamilton or something, something that's you know part of the the zeitgeist at the moment. Like, yeah, who gives a shit about cats from the eighties? We'll have like uh, in the Heights next year, which is bound to be a success because it's the the Hamilton guy's new film uh, based on his play. But uh, and we'll have West Side Story, which obviously, whether or not good, will be more successful. Well, because yeah, I mean, West Side Story definitely has more prestige to it than Cats does. But then you tack on Spielberg as well, and people will be interested, even if it looks mediocre. Like I, I feel bad, man, because I was pretty down on this movie for months and months, and. I think I went for it for a joke, and it's not really funny. It's it's just fine. I I wish there were some joke about it. I wish it were disturbing or very sexual or, or weird, but it's just fine. Oh man! Well, already then. So uh, so David, don't see it. It's it's not going to help your your your. Oh issues. oh! Don't don't worry. I wasn't planning on seeing it, but thank you for reminding <laughs> me about that. Maybe do see it, but uh, I also saw Queen and Slim. Which is a pretty good movie that's not getting nearly enough buzz, I think. Clearly, because I don't know anything about it. You don't know anything about it? I think that people were a little worried it would be like this year's Green Book, but it's about a black couple who's on their first date. They get pulled over by a cop, and uh, it ends up escalating, as those things do when you're black, and uh, they end up shooting the cop in the head and taking his car. So, 
Jesus. Uh, okay. Or they end up taking the cop in their car. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It has a uh, Daniel Kaluuya in it, so I thought more people would be buzzing on that. But uh, uh, Jody Turner Smith's good as his partner. It's just a really classy movie and has a nice aesthetic. Uh, I wish some more people had seen it. Well, uh, you should urge more people to check it out. Then I'm glad you're bringing it up here. On Did the you write a review on it? Brings up attention to no, it. but I, I may still write a review on it because this one I think I think it should it's weird because things happen before they need to like green book didn't really need that win uh this could have gotten a best picture nomination if not for that so uh, it's kind of disappointing when things happen a little too early for you and you know uh there's there's better black films than that and this is a good portrayal yeah this is a sad note yeah (laughs) i i i hope it'll get some attention around awards but i'm just not seeing it anywhere so uh there's that um I, I did see the new Black Christmas. Oh, oh yes, that? you mentioned this a bit earlier. <laughs> oh, God. It has Imogen Poots in it. That's that's something. Um, so how does it compare to the original? Uh, this one's at a boarding school. or a, um, It's at a college called uh, Hawthorne College. Uh, it was run by this guy named Calvin Hawthorne, and he's like this uh, awful guy. I like when there's awful uh, Calvin's around, and uh, I, I, like the. I was gonna say that's the whole conceit of this podcast. I feel is dealing with an awful Calvin. I know. <laughs> uh, so at the beginning, she's being like tracked by some guy, and the guy texts her, and it's a Calvin. She's not sure who it is, and it's just another asshole Calvin. She can't figure it out, but uh, she gets killed. Um, then these girls are just in the boarding house. It's about like. Uh, sorority girls kind of the same way black christmas was but it doesn't have any of the technique or feeling to it um it doesn't really matter that it's even christmas uh, i'm really confused because it, it ends up going for a different aesthetic that's meant for like teenagers like it feels soapy like it's made for tv because uh, the the writer of the film went for pg-13 not because the studio is forced to but to open it up to younger girls so i just feel like that was yeah, I... a negative choice but i don't want to criticize her for trying to open the movie up either well that's the big push i've seen with the film particularly from the the director uh here as well is that they're they're pushing it as this kind of female empowerment piece and that's the specific angle they're tackling things from right is that this this is a horror film for young girls which i respect i mean i admire that i just wish the film were good Damn. Well, and it seems like a logical property to do that with because that's very much what I think the original Black Christmas manages to be. Yeah, uh, I think. But, uh, but it's. I think all these stalker maybe in some sense they're revenge films or they're they're female revenge films, right? Yeah, which there's plenty of. There's it's a whole subgenre all on its own. Which Black Christmas kind of started like that was right before Halloween, of course, and of course we had like Texas Chainsaw, but then. Black Christmas really kicked off the kind of voyeuristic uh, revenge slasher that that would kind of define horror movies for the next couple decades. Have you seen the other remake from like the, the 2006 one, which has a yeah. which has a stronger Christmas vibe? I think it's just fine. I mean, I think it's average, but uh, nowhere near the original. But it's a lot better than this. Mm. Well, that's a shame. That, I know. Uh, I I wanted this to be cool. <laughs> Uh, how about we stop remaking Black Christmas then? I think mm. that's a good idea now. I want to re—I want to remake Black Christmas. <laughs> Calvin, you can do anything you set your mind to. Yeah, yeah. 
I'll, I'll be the asshole Calvin remaking Black Christmas. <laughs> you'll be you'll be the star in every role. Just wear wings <laughs> for everything. Yeah, I'll be like the voyeur, and then I will turn the screen around, and I'm spying on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sounds better than this. I mean, I wish this were cool. I wanted a surprising note, like I came away and this 3.2 on MDiv, I thought I was going to be like, you know, the one exception. No, I don't. Calvin, I don't like you, you want a bad movie to be good. You want to say, you, you want a cat every time. I do. I, I'm always looking for cats. I, I want every movie to be good for its audience. I want someone to find joy in everything they watch. But uh, I mean, not everything, but I want every movie to have someone that enjoys it, I should say. Well, well, that's what we're here for today, right? We're here to talk about a film that's kind of perceived as bad, but, uh, you know, it's actually good. People enjoy it, right? Whew. Um, I gotta um, go, guys. <laughs> yeah, I made uh, I made other holiday plans. We're doing a gift wrapping? Uh, come on, yeah. come on. Is that is that a real thing? 33 minutes? I think we're good, right? This is fine. <laughs> we can wrap it up here. Yeah, I think that's a long sure. podcast. I mean, the holidays are coming up. I mean, I got tired right, after guys, Scorsese. I, I mean, we should just bring it down a little bit. I agree. Look, I, I have pages of notes about Jack Frost. You can't just leave me hanging like this. I prepared for this. All right, all right David, David, David. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Give me one of your notes on Jack Frost. Yeah, let's just hear one. It. one. One of my notes. J-Shot. <laughs> J-Shot. <laughs> that's an important note. It's it a is, high point it? of this movie. Calvin, how much did you like the hockey in this movie? I think that's why I attached to it as a young kid, but then as an adult, I watched it and realized it's a garbage movie with hockey in it. But I, <laughs> No, it's, I, I think it's still mediocre. I, I mean, it's fine. I, the hockey, I'm not, I'm does, not there's not a lot mediocre. of hockey in it. They don't, they don't get a play, and it doesn't look good when it's shot. So. There's, like, there's like two hockey games, and they, they chop up both sequences by constantly. Yeah. They, they cross-cut between Michael Keaton doing stuff in both instances. I mean, so it's, it's not very good. My, I, I agree that the hockey is subpar. My feeling is it's, it's like you can't get every actor to learn to skate perfectly, so you want to do a lot of cross-cutting and want to show up on their face while they're you know, in a face-off. You want to get them by the bench while the Hey song's playing. You want to like conjure the feeling by having him in the you know refrigeration for the ice rink, and uh, it does it accomplishes that much. I think it has it has a feeling of winter, and uh, you know it's my t- favorite time of year because of hockey. So so I do enjoy that aspect. Yeah, so, David, why do you so like this establish it? <laughs> well, <laughs> so what? <laughs> all right, all right. Look, I think there are plenty of admirable things about this, uh, but I'm going to chalk it up mostly to nostalgia. Uh, I, I genuinely watched this a lot as a kid. Uh, I'm not sure if it was via uh, VHS that I saw a lot of, or if it was uh, just on TV or what, but I definitely saw this movie a lot, hmm. and I liked it. Uh, Why? Did, did you guys see it a lot? Did, did that take seven pages of your notes? <laughs> no, no, I've got plenty of notes about the film. Okay, well, right. I, um, I got some oh, notes right. here myself. Um. Fine, fine. All right, you guys go ahead, start shitting on the movie first, and then no, I can come first, in first, and talk about the things first, I First, like. I'm going to talk about what I like. First off, I love Michael Keane. Michael Keane is great yes. in everything he's in. He yeah. blesses everything with, I think what makes Keaton great is comedic timing. So in this movie, it doesn't translate that well because, number one, he's not physically there. Most of it, um, <laughs> <Right>. but, 
The one good part of the movie isn't there. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just I just want to say a weird thing is that that one weird thing I found watching again. I'm like, it takes a long ass time to get to the snowman. It's like forty minutes. It's forty minutes before you actually get to the snowman stuff, and so there's, and it, it is absurdly long for what you'd expect from a snowman movie. I have to say. Okay, I have a thesis for this movie that I need to say on the podcast. This is a franchise doctor moment where I could tell you what's wrong with the movie immediately. Number okay. one, it's way too fucking sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's it is. Uh, yeah, so that that was definitely one thing, especially because the whole kind of conceit is that uh, Michael Keaton gets killed in the first half yeah. hour. In a, and in it's a not very, like he comes like, back. If it was like, oh, he learns to be with his son, and then it's like, oh, the magic has blessed me to come back to life again, then it'd be like a happy ending. Who gives a shit? But, like, no, it's about the main character arc is for the kid, uh, Charlie, to deal with his death, and that's... That's not very cheerful for a snowman movie. No. But I admire the film for going through with that and dealing with this this tragic arc in a serious manner. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, okay, as serious as a movie about a snowman <laughs> coming back to life by a magic harmonica can be. But right. I digress. Well, uh, I like the I like the musical dad that, that Keaton gets to play. I like him when he's a dad, too, and when he plays the rock music. But he's dead who, for who would go by the act's name Jack Frost? I think that's pigeonholing yourself into, like, a single season. It'd be like if Bruce yeah. Springsteen said Bruce <laughs> Easter or some shit. It's like, <laughs> come on, dude. See? Yeah, the, no, it's, the other uh, like, point I needed to make before before we can have David defend himself is that Michael <laughs> Keaton's dad character, I don't know if it was Keaton himself or just executives wanted to protect him, but his character is not that bad throughout the film. Like, well, that's, this movie should yeah, basically yeah. be a snowman's liar liar, and Michael Keaton should have to learn a hard lesson and be a bad person at the start. But it turns out yeah. he's a really good dad, and he's just troubled by the career he's in. And then he <laughs> dies because he was being flaky. But he changed his mind. He's going back home to see his son. And, like, he's that's, going on the trip. So, like, he yeah. didn't so fuck up. That's the thing, that's the whole bit there that kind of, like, they really wanted to punctuate the tragedy aspect of it, is that they didn't make him the, the kind of deadbeat, flaky father that he's obviously supposed to be for the sake of the, the arc of the story there. They they instead made him too endearing and too kind of picturesque, to, again, to a point where the only time he makes the quote-unquote wrong decision is he's kind of backed into it like he has no other choice in order to further his career, but then he still ends up saying, what the fuck am I doing? No, I gotta go spend Christmas with my family. He makes the right decision and then dies unceremoniously in a car crash. And then the movie cuts just a year later. Like, we don't even get to see the whole grieving period. He's just still depressed a year after the fact. Who the fuck I wrote think... this? Who thought that was like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is a great draft. I don't need I, to look at this I, again. I, I hate those time jump things in movies where it's just like, oh, we jump forward. I even talked about this in a movie I love when we talked about Red River a while ago, where it's like, oh, we'll see how things go in ten years, and then it's like just a dissolve over, and it's like, well, it's been ten years and then some. It's like the next line. It's awful. So, but 
I guess that before you get into your full defense, I guess my problem is it's only the second best 90s movie with a character named Charlie that plays hockey who loses his father. Uh, Mighty Ducks is the better one. I mean, I'm not going to contest that necessarily. This is 100% a nostalgia pick. You guys are indulging me here by talking about this, and I uh, and we picked it for the meme of it, and it, are totally expecting nobody else to... to participate in this right no <laughs> this is gonna be a surprise fucking podcast so the the one thing i have to say is that i don't i don't dislike uh other movie i think it's okay i i keep re-watching it like I, i've seen this at least four or five times so obviously it's fine i'd agree that it's not it's, particularly it has... offensive and actually no after after seeing horror movie snowman this snowman was actually pretty impressive in most points only when it got like hard CGI, like in the scene where it was like heating up, I, I didn't yeah. like that. But like other than that, like I think Jim Henson Production Company was behind the snowman, and uh, it looked yeah. really good. Yeah, the the puppeteer, like you can tell obviously still when they're using CG to augment it and make him more mobile, mm-hmm. but generally it still works together uh, fairly well, and the puppet is not bad. It's it's an, obviously it's an awkward looking snowman, like it's not your traditional kind with like your three balls. It's more like a mound of snow, and they put like a hat and stuff on him. But that yeah. kid, uh, that kid was responsible for making the snowman, and uh, that's really impressive for however fucking old he is. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I think the puppet works really well, um, and it's and I think Michael Keaton gives it with his voice gives him a lot of character. That's that's the thing, the big thing that makes this work is that the the relationships I think of the film work really well, both between Keaton and kid. They they have chemistry. I like. I love that. It's light, go ahead. I love that we just have our Florida guy on here, really impressed by the the craft of making a snowman. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. I'm have, like, whoa, have man. Have you seen snow, bro? Is there snow where you're at? Yeah, and now I'm in Alabama. I, I left because there were too many gators in Florida. But so I was like, I, I have gotta to, go. I have to ask, though, have you built a snowman before? I, I still have not, no. It's way too fucking cold. How do y'all fucking do this? I don't know. I, I, I built like a... I built like an igloo before, like a mini one in the driveway. I, I have like three layers of blankets over me at all times now. I look like Baby Yoda, except I'm way uglier. <laughs> so, so here's the thing: is that I, I think it was only what like last year for the first time, or maybe it was two years ago, that I've built my first full snowman. Last because year. It, yeah, because it it doesn't snow, or maybe it wasn't last year. It had to been the year before, but uh, like full length snowman. Okay. Otherwise, we've only gotten like a foot high snowman before because it wherever we're at it doesn't snow like many inches often here like it was it was on christmas eve too that it happened to snow so that was a really special thing to get a build a full height snowman and he stood in the yard for about a week slowly melting away i didn't know that this was all just because david has repressed his christmas memories because he's only just got to build a snowman rosebud (laughs) snowman Um, I was I was gonna say I like Michael Keaton and the kid in live action. My problem with the kid and the snowman in the main like main film is number one. There's too many moments where Michael Keaton's like, "Hey man, you're looking at me weird. I'm a snowman." Like yeah. he says that like ten times. <laughs> there's there's uh way too many snow puns in the film for sure. It's a uh, it gets very. Hokey. My favorite one, Snow Dad's better than No Dad. The bully yes, looks he, so he... stupid. <laughs> yeah. 
That was like the He's worst bully I've ever seen. <laughs> Because he has the gelled like spiked hair, and he's, he's yeah. cool because he can snowboard and stuff. The, the Total nineties bully. It's such a it's a very nineties movie as well, and those are always fun. I think uh, I, I do like the bit where they have the giant snowball war. I don't know if you guys noticed, but when he first like Charlie first goes into enter the when he gets off of school, or whatever. There's actual like helicopter noises and stuff they put into it to make it feel more like a war zone. Look, I'm not above watching this. I just did a retrospective on <laughs> Brink on the website, and I made a case that uh, post-9-11 movies were all about death and trying to grieve losses. Then the first thing you bring me is like this late 90s piece about a child with, whose father dies and is terrifyingly turned into a snowman. So, I, I don't know if that's entirely true. Maybe we were already grieving in the 90s. The, the one implication I don't like in the film, I think the implication was was at the very end when it's like it's time for me to go and he turns back into Michael Keaton, that it was like he's turning back into him because, because the sun is setting, it's time for him to go. But in my head, I'm like, he turned into Michael Keaton like the moment his wife showed up and like they met. So I'm like, once the family is whole, Michael Keaton's here. Did he just waste his entire existence into being a snowman. <laughs> it's it's very weird because like that's the thing is that there's a huge leap of logic you need to make to get to behind the film because like first you have to accept that magic harmonicas are a thing and can just bring people from the dead back to life as a snowman. Uh, and then you also have to buy in the end that he just has to go away for no explainable reason. He just knows time. It, like in the bone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, or, well, if you think lack thereof, <laughs> if you think about it, I was gonna do a Werner Herzog impersonation, but I'm just gonna say it. Snowman is a metaphor for life and death. You know what I mean? Yeah. It shows the fragility of our time on this planet, and in that way, this movie is very beautiful, David. I I have to agree upon further reflection. This is a masterpiece. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's, there's uh, very wonderful things about it all. How do you guys feel about uh, all the music choices? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs> the worst part is is like the music he sings. I, I, I kind of don't care about the edgy 90s music or like the weird like rock jazz sometimes, but I don't like Keaton's band's music. It's really no, bad it's... to me. It's not very interesting. No, no, it's good. They they open up on the Frosty the Snowman blues cover, and apparently that's enough to get like studio executives excited about them and get us to sign the Jack Frost band. It's I don't I don't uh, yeah I don't really understand that this is what he does for a job. <laughs> I guess that's I I guess that's like the e- the nineties thing is people just played music and they they had work. Uh, I mean, I have an easier time believing the magic harmonica thing than this guy getting any work. Right. I, I don't understand how this supports a big house like this or or even pays week uh, to week for food. <laughs> I don't know. To, to go back to the flaking thing to tie into this, it's like the moment he's got like a big offer, the entire family's like, oh, you can't skip Christmas. It's impossible. Whereas like this could <laughs> literally fucking make his career. If I was the wife, I'd be like, fucking do it. Well, it's just a melodramatic moment, too, because when he's, like, considering it, Charlie just, like, gives him back the harmonica. He's like, I don't want it anymore. It's like, Charlie, dude, you realize he could buy a shit ton of harmonicas if, like, you let him do this one thing one time. Right. I I mean, I don't think they they thought through the logic on this movie. (laughs) 
cl- clearly. But now, to get back to the music choice, well, I did want to at least highlight uh, the the very uh, noticeable needle drop of landslide coming oh. in when he's building the snowman the first time. I forgot all about that. <laughs> They're really that trying to pull on your heartstrings. <laughs> Doesn't that look like a commercial for something? Like, like it would be. It I don't does. Know you just. Or you just throw in Fleetwood Mac and you call it good, like oh, you know, people will resonate with that. Well, the funny thing was is that I was you know watching with my fiance and it was like it, it was getting her just slightly because the song <laughs> is just that good and it and it taps into that. No, Why that's a good it? moment. Why didn't they do Landslide at the end or something where it's like okay, now all the emotions are coming over you now that you have felt the arc, now you can right. you can listen to the song instead of. Instead of, you know, the death, and then it's, like, the cut, and then it's like, oh, man, my life sucks now, and then everyone's like, everyone needs to get over your death, or your father's death, kid, <laughs> and it's like, and then the song plays while he makes the snowman. It doesn't work for me. I'm it is, I just like Landslide fair. as, like, a winter song. It sounds like winter to me. Uh, well, because it's got the line about the snow-covered hills. Yeah, yeah. Big, highlight of the song it makes sense there's actually a, one thing i did notice as well about the soundtrack there's two instances throughout you guys know the the snowplow guy I, I i noticed it the first time because when they when the snowplow guy pushes uh the, the snowman jack frost into the like the the side the the snow drift uh he's playing free ride over the radio which is a song by edgar winter which i just had to appreciate the pun of for the moment yeah, they also but did, then, like, a heat wave stuff. When the heat wave happened, uh, I, I don't remember if they played it, but they played the Billy Idol heat pun song, right? Oh, or, yeah. Or at least they paid oh, enough service a, to it. That must be a funny 90s thing to do as well, because I just watched Grumpy Old Men recently as well, and, like, they use the heat wave, like, they use the heat wave song throughout. Like, they have Walter Matthau humming it throughout the whole movie. Subtle. But, this, this, uh, 90s <laughs> were a subtle time, everybody. Clearly, clearly. I wonder um, if we have ten more minutes on the soundtrack of uh, Jack Frost. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is going to be a short one, but I got I got a question for y'all. Now that we're I think we're wrapping yeah. up already at forty nine. <laughs> are are we? I still movie. have half my notes left. I can keep going. You guys <laughs> got two more hours. David, on David, this? David, we I think I think we're good. I think we you know. Well, David, do you have a maybe you have some important sections on the notes that do we need to hit anything here? Let me see. I'm going to go down. Oh, yes. We haven't talked about all of the sexual humor in the movie. Okay. My balls. My snowballs. <laughs> David, we're good. <laughs> there's there's the moment as well. I'd love, I would love. I wish I could find this one for the image of it, but he gets the two snowballs thrown at his chest, and he, like, he sizes up the snow titties to see if he's like cool with them, and he just like chucks them off afterwards. Yeah, that's great sexual when, innuendo. When, Let me ask Michael you, David, on my notes. Well, on. How does this stack with other Michael Keaton bad movies? Like Multiplicity, the classic. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I finished watching Multiplicity. If I did, it was a long time ago when I was young. Probably when I was around watching Jack Frost. And I guess it just didn't stick with me like this did. What about his I'm other... watching this. What about his other bad movies like Birdman? <laughs> it's no Mr. Mom, for sure. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Beetlejuice. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't, 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 don't sacrilege Beetlejuice. I'm just kidding. How did we get to this nope. before we got to Beetlejuice? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I wanted to represent this childhood favorite, and you guys were dumb enough to indulge me. That's how we got here. I guess so. I just wanted to do top five lists, and then nobody else took it seriously. So. 
<laughs> Look, you guys aren't taking my my childhood favorite here seriously. My Jack Frost movie. Uh, I just want to sit here and make fun of it. Anything else you love about the movie? Yes, I like all the snow puns. I like the snow, you the snowman stuff, and, uh, and like you said, you there's all that. Sn- I'm trying to snow puns are better than no puns, as they say. Exactly. I think that's I think that's it. It's a wrap, everybody. Close the lights. <laughs> turn everything off. Uh, I feel like oh, bro has fine. to go somewhere. <laughs> also, uh, I just noticed that bro's been like on video this entire time. Sometimes he keeps speaking out, and it's. I did notice that as well. I wasn't going to say anything. I was just watching him this whole time. Wait, what? Am I on video? Yeah, you have your your video video on right now. Uh Uh-oh. My snowballs are out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what are you guys watching? Do you have a Christmas movie picked out for like the uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day? I had trouble picking five just now. Um... (laughs) No traditions, though? No, uh, no, I mean, really. Christmas Story will be on, right? Yeah. Everyone watches Christmas Story. I, yeah, I watch Christmas day. Story. Uh, my girlfriend really loves Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all of, all of those uh, uh, specials. Um, I was Bass? tempted to put yeah, those the in. Yeah, the Bass specials. Yeah. I mentioned them. I mentioned them during our list, but we didn't want to comment on that. I love all the Rankin Bass specials. We, we do want to do next something year next something. year, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. We You mentioned it. We should Rankin, Rankin. Rankin, Rankin, and Bass. That should be a good special for us. Uh, uh, I think, better than I think this. you guys will enjoy it more than Jack Frost. What, yeah. what I think I'm going to do is get the family nice and warm around the fire and play some Yuletide music and then put on Rare rare Exports. Do you, do you guys have any favorite Christmas songs? I guess we could do that too. Top five Christmas songs. I like the one with uh, Bing Crosby and David Bowie. That that's, that's Yeah, the Little Drummer good. Boy. Yeah, that's probably my all-timer. I, I like oh, I, I guess. Go ahead. You do it, David. You're so eager to no, no, know your no, music. No. I'm not editing this show. <laughs> I know, I know you're not. It's just gonna be a mess. All right, I just wanted I wanted to warn people, I guess, not, uh, get back track off music and talk about movies because recently I did watch some classic uh, Hollywood. David, uh, you literally stuff, skipped you know? over my music. <laughs> I know. Look, you told me to go. Fine. I, I wanted it. to go, go first, not go. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. You, you go. You know what? I'm not doing this. I'm oh, not God. talking. I'm not talking about this movie that I was going to because Bro made a big thing out of it. I'm, it's a mess now. I'm just editing this like five minutes I, ago. I, so don't worry I like Christian gospel. This is the time of year where I like the classic Jesus songs, and my least favorite pop songs are fucking Last Christmas by George Michael and that okay. fucking Paul McCartney simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Those are the worst songs of all time and they need to yeah. die. We, we can't simply having this pretty anymore. bad. I love that one. You Screw do? You guys. Yes. I think it's, it's because staples listen to. Well, bro and I have probably worked in retail where these songs played every hour. Um, yeah. Ex- excuse me, excuse me. I just got my five-year badge in retail. I hear this all the time. I'm actively. You like Jack Frost? You you are addicted to some sort of masochism in Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, what is it? What happened on Christmas when you were four or five? Let's, I've let's been indoctrinated. Yeah, <laughs> I've been indoctrinated by Christmas classics, po- constantly playing all the time, hearing the same music. I'm just on board now. I've just accepted it. That's all. Tell me more. You guys just need to be comfortable. Tell me more about that. 
Where did or that tie in with your mother? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Look, I'm not on trial here, guys. Was this one that you watch with the family uh, a lot? Jack Frost? Sure, yeah. I watch it with family. Honestly, I mean, su- surprisingly, I watched this more than I did, like, some of the more, you know, well-known classics and stuff. Like I, like I said, I just watched It's a Wonderful Life, I think, for the first time last year. Oh, so you're saying you watch Jack Frost all the time and, like, classics you don't? What classics have you not seen? Just curious. I mentioned, I mentioned Home Alone. I mentioned Home Alone. I haven't seen Home Alone. Yeah, that um, that kind of classic, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think because it's not like I've seen. I've seen all like the Tim Allen Santa movies. I've mm. seen Christmas Vacation. Um, Have you seen Rare uh, Exports: A Christmas Story? Uh, no. I'll, I'll be sure to check that out, Calvin. Thank you for your enlightening list. <laughs> David, have you seen Black Christmas? Yes, saw Black Christmas. Okay. I saw that last year. Not the first one, not the other. Yeah, of course, don't. That we went over. Are there any other classics I'm missing? I mentioned the Rankin Bass. I feel like. Have you seen all the Rankin Bass? I, I'm going through them with my daughter for the first time, which is really fun. Mo- most all, like I've seen like obvious classic ones, like uh, Year Without Santa Claus, Santa Claus Coming to Town, Rudolph, and Jack Frost and stuff. The the Rankin Bass Jack Frost, not this Jack Frost. Right. It's it's easy to get confused. There's like five films called Jack Frost, so. And I had to choose one for my number one. Um, and it was this one. All right. Uh, this one's more like number four or five. I'm being real. <laughs> Calvin's single description of the Oob Iwerks one sounds like number two. <laughs> um, I mean, I I love that movie. It's eight minutes long, and I watch it every year. It's on eight YouTube. Minutes? number one baby it's done it's over <laughs> christmas is over bro, and bro. wrapped in eight minutes bro it's great i'm genuinely surprised that you weren't on board for jack frost here and you were more against me on this i thought you'd like this kind of thing what are you implying david <laughs> i'm i'm not implying anything i'll come out right out and say it you like bad movies oh oh my do you hear this, listeners? Do you hear what he accuses me of? I come as a guest to your cast. <laughs> and you accuse me of such tomfoolery? Hey, bro, what are what are some of the movies you, you gave in the recommendation so far? Oh, um, uh, guys, we're at 58. We need to wrap up. We got to wrap up, guys. Please, please don't do this. Well, there's this all one right, uh, all right. called. Can you tell me anything about Food Fight? Food Fight's a masterpiece starring Charlie Sheen, Wayne Brady, and um, Christopher Lloyd, and it's uh, it's a wonderful movie about um, corporate entities in a supermarket. It's interesting because you gave it to our friend, and now it's all he can watch. He's addicted to it. I feel bad. I feel really bad. <laughs> He told me the other day that he was over at my place. He told me he watched it four times now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, the thing about bad movies is it's like a disease until you accept it. You know what I it mean? Is. It's like vampirism, yeah. where it's like you don't want it, and then you do want it, and then you go back and forth on it. And I think it's, I think for me, it's like filling out like my by like scores like i do it for a practical reason like i want a bottom so i watch uh lokeisha right 
Yeah, you are. Yeah, sorry. and in ba- that's... Go ahead, David. I was going to say, that's the weird thing we're going to hear, is that I have stated many times before, I do not enjoy watching bad movies in any capacity. I don't, I don't find any pleasure out of it. So that's why when you guys are slandering Jack Frost here, I'm genuinely hurt because I, I actually like the movie. But it's, it's not that funny, David. It. It's, it's like okay. <laughs> it's funny, funny. It's I guess, good funny. I guess the thing is that I, I like bad movies and good movies, just not mediocre movies like Jack Frost. That's that's fine. I'm not going to say it's not mediocre. I think it totally is, but right. I am endeared to it. I find a lot of things work for me about it, and I'm sure only half of it is nostalgia. I think there's actual quality in it. All right. Well, I, I, I think I think we're done here, right? I, I think it's good. All right. Well, well, thank you guys for indulging me on this, getting to talk about it. This is probably the only place I would be able to, and uh, it's rough going for sure, but. Uh, you know, I appreciate the effort nonetheless. I'm not editing any of this. Uh, you might have to because of my fucking mic. We'll see what happens, guys. See you later.